as we walk this journey of life, like we talked about in the meditation, we can be tossed and turned by conditions and circumstances sometimes, right? We can be thrown off and lose our way occasionally. We can forget who we are now and then. I want to ask you a rhetorical question. Has anything like that ever happened to you? You don't have to answer that out loud, but I suspect if you did answer it, a high percentage of you would say yes. And if I asked how many feel like that right now, I suspect a few hands might go up as well. If you fall into either of those categories, then you want to experience every Sunday this month. One of the questions which we answered in that special Q&A service in July was, in the weekly sermons, could there be more examples of success, guidelines, and actions to take that I can apply during the week? Our resounding answer was, we thought we already were. This month, you want to pay particular question, particular attention. I'm sorry, I'm paying attention to the, the guy in the front row. row. Um, we want you to pay particular attention because each week, it'll serve you in a profound way. As we return home, home to the source of all good. And if you don't yet fall into one of those categories, because... Those things come up, right? Life happens. If you don't yet fall into one of those categories we just talked about, then tuck this all away for future reference. It may serve you beautifully down the road. We're going to use the following words from page 49 of Ernest Holmes' book, Observations, which you cannot find anymore, as our anchor quote this month. First, at home. In the silence of our own thought, let us heal ourselves of fear, of doubt, of uncertainty. Let our lives be peaceful. Let our lives be whole. Then shall that peace which is God abiding within us radiate from us. Today we begin our journey by returning home to the changeless. This place within us that Holmes spoke about, um, even when we're in the midst of change. If you've heard this one before, pretend that you didn't. But did you hear the one about the middle-aged woman who had a heart attack? Uh, Yes, I had to clear my voice on that. Um, Who had a heart attack. She was rushed to the hospital and immediately taken into surgery. While on the operating table, she had a near-death experience. In this experience, she saw God and asked if this was it for her. God said, oh no, you've got another 30, 40 years to live. So the woman came back into her body and the surgery was a great success. As she was convalescing in the hospital, she decided to extend her time to have a little cosmetic work done. Might as well. There was 
time, she was there anyway. And with another 30 or 40 years to live, she wanted to look as good as she could for as long as she could. So she had a facelift, liposuction, a tummy tuck. She even had her hairdresser come into the hospital to dye her hair. And after she was lifted, tucked, dyed, and quaffed, she walked out of the hospital a new woman and immediately got hit by an ambulance and killed. She arrived at the pearly gates of heaven in a pretty foul mood, understandably, and she confronted God. What's the big idea? I thought you said I had another 30 or 40 years, to which God replies, to tell the truth, you've changed so much I didn't recognize you. Sometimes changes that come upon us can seem so great we don't even recognize our lives. But today we're going to ground ourselves in that which never changes, which is something we can always recognize. What I want to do this morning is give us a foundation for handling change, any kind of change, whatever type or magnitude. Whether it's the type of change that causes us to say, thank goodness, or goodness, no. Whether it's finding a fabulous job or losing one. Whether it's moving into your dream home or feeling forced to move because of a change in life situation. Whether it's having a baby or having someone you love make their transition. Whether it's any kind of birth rebirth or loss, the situation doesn't matter, only the potential impact on your life. Whatever the changes that we face, our foundation is the knowledge that there is one thing that has not and will not change. Thank goodness. And that thing is, as Ernest Holmes called it, the thing itself That book you can't get, by the way. It's God. From page 101 of The Science of Mind, he says, Forms come and forms go, but the power back of them is changeless. Form is temporary, but mind is eternal. Also in The Science of Mind, on page 131, change is always taking place Within that which is changeless. That bears some thought, doesn't it? Change is always taking place within that which is changeless. And Emma Curtis Hopkins, she's the mother of new thought. She wrote on page 102 of Scientific Christian Mental Practice. The spiritual or real world is not changed by our words, it is that same changeless good yesterday, today, and forever. We might say that God is the changeless in the ever-changing, and when we ground ourselves in the changeless, we can have a whole new perspective on change. In fact, when we're grounded in the changeless, Every change that comes into our lives can propel us forward. When we are grounded in the changeless, every change has within it 
the possibility for good. Every change has within it the possibility for greater good, even when you feel that your foundation underneath is shifting and moving. Listen to what Jesus said about a strong foundation in Luke chapter 6. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does nothing is like a man who built his house on the earth without foundation. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. But he who hears my words and follows them is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock against which the stream beat vehemently but could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. What did he mean by, hears my words and follows them? Jesus told us over and over again to live a spiritual life, to trust in God as our sole support, to seek first the kingdom of heaven, and all the rest shall be added unto us. In other words, to keep our spiritual vision clear, to trust that which is changeless. That is how we will build a foundation on rock, which will weather the storm of any change whatsoever in our lives. The death of a loved one is the most severe change we will ever face. And although it is it is hurtful, and you miss them terribly. You need to know that it is through that kind of experience that our recognition of the changeless is vital. When a door closes and locks shut, we have an opportunity through the changeless spirit of God within us to find an open door. There always is one. There is always a blessing. When we have patience, faith, and love to look for an open door, to consciously choose to seek it out and find it, we always will. A New Thought minister did once say, however, It's true that when one door closes, another one opens. But I got to tell you, sometimes that hallway is a real B word that rhymes with itch. And it's true. That hallway can sometimes be a challenge, right? But if we know we're anchored in and grounded on that which does not change, then we will find the new door. So never allow change in your affairs to become a closed door that bars your path to progress. Know that every ending is also a beginning. I'm going to expand on that by saying every trial, every stressful situation, every challenge, and yes, 
every celebration is an opportunity to recognize and realize the truth that, in some way, everything you're going through will lead to your good. Situations are temporary. The divine is, was, and forever shall be constant. I love this example about composer Franz Joseph Haydn. As a small child, he was trained to sing and was taken at age eight uh, into the cathedral choir of St. Stephen's in Vienna, an all-boys choir. If you have ever heard a boys choir, you will understand that there is no more divine sound than that. Here he sang solo parts and uh, received valuable musical instruction as well as earned his keep there. He was a member of this choir for nine years when his voice broke. That means, as happens to all boys, his voice began to deepen into something resembling a man's. And the director fired him and turned him into the streets. At 17, he'd lost the only life and livelihood he had known, and he was penniless. Yet he soon made a better career as a teacher than a composer. And in 1760, he was made musical director at the court of a prince of Austria. He held this position successfully for 30 years until the prince died and the music group was disbanded. Hayden, now 58, was once more without work, but he refused to be ruffled. He accepted commissions for two composing and conducting ventures in London and again did some special teaching with a young Ludwig von Beethoven as a pupil for some time. It was during this time that he wrote some of his most famous works, such as The Creation and The Seasons. Twice in his life, he had been cast aside but built a new and better life each time. So if you do not already have your house built upon the rock to meet every change with unchanging faith in the certainty of the divine flow, get it now, right now. Don't wait until you need it. Don't be like the Scottish atheist who was spending a quiet day fishing when suddenly his boat was attacked by the Loch Ness Monster. In one easy flip, the beast tossed him high into the air, then it opened its mouth to swallow him. As the man sailed head over heels, he cried out, Oh my God, help me! All at once, the scene froze in place. And the atheist hung in midair. A booming voice came down from the clouds. I thought you didn't believe in me. Come on, God, said the atheist. A minute ago, I didn't believe in the Loch Ness Monster either. <laughs> My friends, get your grounding now so that you'll have it when you really need it. As I was working on the message for this week... 
my dad and I both ran into this. Um, we realized it was about seven pages shorter than the sermons usually are to meet that 30-minute requirement, and we couldn't figure out what to do to stretch it out. So my dad said, Gina can do it. And he called me, and I said, I can do it. Didn't know what I was going to do. Um, but if you've been around a while, you know I do a thing, right? I walk up to the bookcase, and I have lots and lots of books. I'm not talking in the bookstore, although I have done that. Um, my bookcase at home. These are all books that I use regularly. And I stood there. My bookcase is short. So I stood there. And I looked. And I looked at all the titles, and I saw a few that looked good, but I waited until one called me. And I picked it up, and I walked over to the table where I was writing, and I flipped it open. And it was perfect. I love that. It is my freakish gift. It is a book called Your Needs Met by Jack and Cornelia Addington. And it's the prayer on page 21, and it really sets the scene for us to let go and let God during times of struggle. I let go of my burden. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. That's Psalms 55, verse 22. I let go of the burden that seemed to be mine to carry. Of myself, I was helpless to carry it. It was much too heavy, a futile struggle for my limited strength. As I cast it upon the Lord, the divine law of my being, I am immediately sustained, for I lay hold of infinite strength. The burden not only becomes light, but like the phantom thing it was, fades away altogether. As I recognize that the omnipotent strength of God Almighty is mine to use, the burdens cease to be burdens. Christ-centered, I can say with Jesus, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As I turn trustingly to the Father within, who knows all of the answers and is not limited by thoughts of time or space, ways or means, that which seemed impossible takes place easily. I am relieved of all that backlog of unfinished business and fresh New creative thoughts lend wings to my endeavors. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory. And they closed with, of course, and so it is. In a moment, you're going to hear an incredibly powerful musical piece. It is a singular movement from Hayden's The Creation that I mentioned earlier, and it speaks about the biblical second day as God was forming the earth. In the preceding moment, a baritone sings the dark story of storms and hail and thrashing seas and quaking earth. And the piece we're about to hear is about that breathtaking, perfect beauty which followed that horrible storm. I don't know if a more perfect illustration of our message this month exists. As you hear it, 
I invite you to close your eyes and use the time to ground yourself in the changeless, to recognize that God is ever-present, ever-available, as near as your hands and feet, as close as your breath. Even as one door closes, even as you walk down a hallway that can be a B-word, even before you find the new door, and even as you open the new door, know that God's changeless love, peace, and power are ever with you. The dawn will always be radiant after the storm. Use this time to build that foundation of solid rock underneath you, in your own heart, in your own mind, in your own way. Make a connection with the changeless reality, the eternal one. Namaste.